Hey, welcome everyone. This is Dan with the Spiritual Underground Podcast coming to you from my wood shop in the backyard of uh, DTM Enterprises. Uh, I'm humbled to be back on the microphone and uh, after that one month break, uh, realize how much I missed being uh, doing this. Uh, that's a good thing sometimes, taking a break from something so uh, you can learn if you miss it or not. It's the old uh, adage of uh, if you love something, set it free. And if it comes back, it was meant to be. So uh, this podcast seems to fall into that for me. And uh, the break was not, that wasn't the purpose of the break. It was, uh, I guess, divinely inspired at some level because I didn't plan it. That's just what happened. And uh, my little escape for deer season and the time I take away from life for that event in my life every year uh, coincided with this. So we are where we are. And I'm glad to be back on the microphone. Uh, A couple quick notes dtmww.net any handyman woodworking uh needs you have in the louisville metropolitan area i'd be happy to serve you it is getting close to christmas time i'm making christmas gifts and that kind of thing and there's probably still time for that if you would like to have uh something personal made for somebody um 12-Step Spiritual Recovery, a book by James Christopher Cohn. You've heard about it many times here. It is a certain methodology and a way to uh, work these steps uh, that that Christopher has written, and that book is available at Amazon, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery. We also have support group meetings available here in Louisville. Uh, we have a uh, co-ed meeting on Thursday nights, and a uh, the ladies have a ladies meeting on Tuesday nights. You can go to 12stepspiritualrecovery.com. For that or contact me uh, I do want to give Darren Frank credit for the music around the podcast uh, that's what you heard leading up and that's what you will hear coming out of the show uh, my guest today has uh, walked into my life I'm pretty sure through TSSR uh, met her there uh, it is just it's so amazing that it's became become normal almost to watch people come in and place these principles in their lives and watch miracles happen and watch these human beings bloom from the broken down state we usually arrive in to uh, in a very short amount of time become uh, uh, to bloom and, and become fully human <laughs> smiles and uh, eyes in the light air lights in the eyes uh come on and uh it's a, it's a beautiful thing and and you know I, i'm i'm stumbling on saying it because it seems like a it almost seems like a um it feels like it's the opposite of what i mean i mean this in a complimentary way is that when i first met you you were not the person that you are today and that been probably I don't know a year ago, year and a half maybe something like that in that neighborhood. Yeah. So in a twelve to eighteen months, uh, I've watched you come to life and fully bloom, just like the flowers do in the spring. Because when you can, when I first met you, you were dragging your feet pretty hard. Uh, couldn't look up in. I, I don't remember the thing where it's just tough for people to look people in the eyes in the beginning. You know, you get talked to by. Uh, I always joke, make this joke. It, it, it felt like you li- must have liked my shoes because when I was talking to you, that's what you seem to be looking at. Uh, yeah. But the shoulders come back and the head comes up and the lights come on and uh, and then you stand in your own two feet and and like I said, that that blooming of the human spirit happens. And uh, it's not that you didn't have that; it's that that this allows this process allows it to bloom. 
So when Shannon, I first met Shannon, she was a, a, a different person. And, and I say that actually, and that's the right way to say it, I believe, that that was the different person. The Shannon we know today is the true Shannon and the real deal. I used to say uh, that I'm a different guy today, but I, th- I think that's actually the opposite. The real guy is here today, and that was something different. So that was something other than what I really was in the past. So uh, welcome, Shannon, to the show. Uh, Hi, everybody. Didn't take long. I just talked to her just the other day. I'm back on my feet, and I was like, okay, who? <laughs> and uh, and it was actually Holly that said, how about Shannon? And I said, yeah. And uh, she said, plug that in it wasn't that i had any blocks on anybody i just was like um feels like it's hard to invite people to some extent because now i feel like almost uh i I wonder why i haven't had you already but there's a plenty of people to go around and then the timing isn't uh isn't an issue uh it's not a who was on first kind of thing right right what is your sobriety date March fourteenth, two thousand nineteen. March the fourteenth. That uh, it's the fifteenth. It's called the Ides Ides of March, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a good solid. What that's uh, we're you you're not too far. You're turning the corner towards two years, fair in a little bit. Right. We don't get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Um, did you uh, did you come to TSSR immediately upon coming in? No, I did my twelve. I did my twelve steps out of AA first. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, why that date hits me is, uh, and I just now remembered, and I remember Ross talking about it the other day, is that uh, March the 14th, 2019 was the first TSSR meeting ever. Right. That's why the date yeah. uh, hit me uh, in, a, in a funny way. So you came in and did the 12 steps through AA first. Correct. And then subsequently traveled the tssr path but you were coming to tssr pretty early weren't you yeah i met ross at token three and saw how happy he was and just saw the joy in him and wanted what he had and he led me to tssr and that's how i ended up doing tssr yeah yeah you can certainly see that in ross and it's that old adage (laughs) of uh you know if you want what somebody's got Mm -hmm. well i always kind of like uh you see this thing in somebody, and you go, you know, where did you get that? <laughs> right. And uh, he says, oh, I got it over here. Why don't yeah. you come with me? Yeah. It's available to you, too. Right. Did you grow up here in Louisville? I did. Yeah. Um, right in the Highlands my whole entire life. Your whole life in the in the world-famous Highlands of Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. And it is a, a, definitely a unique it is, yeah, Neighborhood absolutely. And, and area. Uh, uh, Louisville has a number of cool places, but the Highlands definitely rank up there where everybody wants to, uh, a lot of people, not everybody, uh, wants to live. Yeah, right. Very unique stuff. Uh, so you were born in Louisville? Yes. Um, mom and dad, brothers, sisters? Yep. The whole deal? Everybody was Pre- born in Louisville. Yeah, pretty normal. I mean, um, how, how was growing up? What do you remember? Mm, growing up was pretty normal. I have a twin sister. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I guess I was considered the middle child. So I guess I f- always felt kind of out of place. But mm. uh, my twin sister, uh, we had a good upbringing. My parents worked hard. Um, they were together. They're still together. Still together. Yes. Um, you know, being a middle child, you always feel like 
you get no attention. Um, and having a twin sister, um, we both had, we still have, obviously, um, ADD. Hmm. So she has ADHD. She needed a little bit more attention. And doing my steps and looking into myself, I realized my mom just took time for her, you know, tried to help her. But back then, I looked at it as mom wanted to spend more time with her and loved her. Yeah. So growing up, I, I kind of just thought that, you know. And um, I have an older sister. She is an amazing person, and so is my twin sister. Um, I really have had a, a awesome family um, who are huge supporters of me now. Yeah. And they love me dearly. And they always did. Yeah. But <laughs> no. it's hard to love us yeah. at times in our lives. Right. Uh, I mean, obviously, I didn't love myself then either, though. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, we all talk still. Um, my two sisters don't get along, so I'm still the middle person that oh, we have, really? like, family over at my house on holidays. And then I have go to my mom's house, so I'm like... The one who I can get, they can get along with the most. <clears throat> oh, really? So they don't, they, it's that bad. They don't not get along. They don't. <laughs> they don't get along, no. They don't even spend time with one another. Or, they avoid one another. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's got to be tough to play the mediator in between that. Yeah. And you probably always to some extent were. Yes. Playing that mediator role. Yeah. Uh, in there. Uh, when did you have your first, when did you start using about 14 years old. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. That's what, I mean, if there was a number that people sit across this table from me and said, I know if I was keeping notes, 14 would be the number that comes up vastly more than any other number. How'd all that happen? I can't remember a specific day or what exactly happened. I think it just, you know, I hung out with people and they were doing things and I started you know, drinking with them. Um, drinking was your first substance? Drinking and smoking weed. Yeah. And um, I had a friend, a best friend, who would drink. And it started out it was just on the weekend. You know, we would go through school all week and it would be on the weekend. And then we would party, you know. Um. And it started in, like, middle school is really when it started. Um, and I was introduced to methamphetamine at a really young age. Ooh. Her older sister would smoke meth, and we inter- we got introduced to it probably high school. Yeah. And I found out I really liked that. So um, I guess what really took a hold of me was um pain medicine uh i really liked pain pills and would buy them and i would drink with it and i remember the next day having the worst hangover like couldn't do anything but sleep and i would puke my brains out just it would be awful and i would do it the next weekend you know like the insanity of that um but it was just because, I guess, the fun of it. You know, we're all around in a garage partying and stuff, and I would, I remember walking out and just taking pain pills, you know, 
like having them in a Ziploc bag. Like mm. nobody else knew. And then I would come back in and drink when we were drinking like fists and stuff. Um, really? So you were you were doing the pain pills in, in, in secret. It wasn't a party yeah. thing. Even at that Cause, age. Because you know, you know, my memories of back then, you know, most everything was shared. Uh, when we were together. Yeah. I mean, we also, you know, we'd have little pods who we were, you know, we'd go smoke pot with this group and we kind of kept it in ourselves, but we were never were hiding yeah. what we were doing. We were usually uh, all pitching in on it and sharing the stash. Right. So that wasn't happening, huh? No. <laughs> That's interesting to right. me. Right. It was later on that I got secretive and stingy. Right. No, no judgment whatsoever. Just an interesting point to me that, uh, so, uh, yeah, you get, you'd be in, it was, well, was fun, right? Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> I felt like it was fun. Yeah, I, I don't like think I would have done it next weekend if it wasn't fun. Right. Right. Uh, there's that price we pay to buy the unfun of the next day and the hangovers and the consequences. Hangovers was the first earliest consequences. Yeah. Certainly not enough to stop me. No, I continued to do it. Uh, yeah, if I hang, you're lucky if a hangover was enough to make you go, eh, <laughs> yeah, right. I don't think I want to do this anymore. Yeah. And it can be, and I think it is for many. I think a lot of people, that, that is one of the things about the different, the fundamental difference between an alcoholic and somebody who's not, uh, hangover was enough to say, I'm going no further with this stuff. Yeah. There was times that I would drink and I would black out. A lot of the times I didn't remember half of what I was what happened? I'd have to wake up the next morning and ask people what happened. And it wasn't like I didn't drink more than, or I mean, I drank more than others. I mean, and we all drank about the same. I just wouldn't be that, I would just black out. Yeah. Yeah. Some people black out. Some people don't. Yeah. Uh, I always like to say I didn't, I, I didn't black out. I wasn't a blackout drinker, uh, but I just couldn't remember what happened. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> True. So high school carried on like that is a middle school, you said. and then It started in middle school, yeah, and it, high school just carried on like that. Yeah, mostly just weekends. Mm. No? High school got a little bit more. It was throughout the week it would start. You know, when I would get to work, I would start with more pain pills. And then it started with, you know. Because so you go to school and then go to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I worked at... Um, Mazzoni's Cafe. It was right around, um, right near Bowman Field. Yeah. World famous oysters. Yeah. Loved them. That's now, where I was sitting when the, I, that was where we spent a good piece of the day on 9 11. Because oh, I worked yeah. over in DuPont Circle too uh, in that period of time. And I don't know why that's anchored, but we went to Mazzoni's for yeah. uh, lunch yeah, and watched food. the TV. Yeah. While no planes were coming in and out of Bowman <laughs> Field. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, I've heard that is um, that the restaurant industry is a haven for particularly yeah. particularly pain pills is what my sources tell me. Pain pills and meth—it's really it's any type of drugs. Anything. Yeah, but um, it it was really just—I mean, easy access. People had stuff there, and so. Um, a guy I worked with could get pain pills, and so I would buy them there, you know, made work easier. I felt better, yep. you know, um, and 
it just, I don't know. I guess it became more and more frequent. I got more and more addicted to them. And there was, I, it became to where I had to take more and more. Um, you know, what started as one became five, and then it became ten, and then it was handfuls. You know, um, I don't know what it was at that point, um, but that's the the extent how fast it goes, at least for me. Yep. Um, if I would buy ten of them, you know, in high school it might have lasted me a week, two weeks, maybe. You know, um, it just it, it goes so fast. I don't know. Like thinking back at it, I can view it in my mind and how fast I could. I can remember taking like handfuls. In the old deal where I don't, I recall that I would get some, and in the beginning I'd think about how long these were going to last and my rationing <laughs> plan. Yeah. And then uh, that now what I know is that phenomenon of craving kind of thing. The same thing would happen to me, you know, where I would I would consume more than I intended to. You know, right. That's one of the. Keynote, two keynote things. Have you ever tried to quit and couldn't? Yeah. And do you find yourself taking more than you planned to? Yeah. Than you intended? And the person that I always hung out with, Amy, used to, I could never understand how she could just stop doing something and I can't. You know, she could stop drinking, she could stop doing pills, she could stop, you know, she didn't really. Her sister was much more like me, or at least I don't want to label anybody, but she, her sister had the more addictive personality where she would be like, I want this, I want this. Like she would go over to a guy's house just to, to get something from someone, you know, but she could never, she would just stop doing something. And I was like, man, I just don't understand that. Like, I can't do that. Yeah. You know, but today I'm grateful that I know what I am and know that there is a solution know that these steps work yeah you know and thank god for that <laughs> so it's a guarantee if yeah. you place these into your uh place these into your place these work these steps and place these principles as a part of your life your life is going to get a whole lot better yeah no it's a guarantee so what's some of the consequences you ran into usually oh goodness what was some of the first um in 2000 and... Or any stories you want to tell that include consequences. So I got really addicted to the op- Opanas. Mm-hmm. And um, it was New Year's Eve. Um, and I could have sworn I could make it home. You know, I'm falling asleep at the wheel and falling asleep at the wheel, nodding off. And I could have sworn I could make it home. I'm at the stoplight and I'm like, people are honking at me to go. I was like, I only have a little bit longer. And... I crossed two lanes of oncoming traffic and hit the median and all my fluids in my car like just fall out, right? And so there's a car that passes me. He finally calls 911 and I go and get a DUI. And I I was so high. I was falling asleep in jail and everything. My great-grandmother had just passed. Mm. And this lady I loved to death. And um, she raised us, helped my mom raise us and everything. And Looking back at it now, I'm like, man, I wish I could have been there for her funeral. But in the <laughs> right now, I mean, while I was in jail, I kept falling asleep and falling asleep. My dad and my boyfriend at the time were down at the jail trying to get me out of jail. They spent all day at the jail. 
And the judge was like, well, just let her out. Get her OR'd. And, um, you know, they came in there, but I was so high, I was asleep, and they called my name. And they came in there twice. Called for you, and you were out. Yes, and it was awful. Um, and <laughs> they, I finally got out, and I was, I even gave my dad my purse, and it had like Xanax and Opanas in it, and everything. And I got my purse back, and the next day, and I'm like, so what happened to all my drugs? Like that's the first thing I could think of, you know. And some of this, like I'm saying it now and clear-headed, I'm like, I can't believe that I do some of the things that I do, you know? So it's hard for me to tell some of these stories, you yeah, know? Yep. So because your actions are so horrific when you're out in the madness. Um, but that was my first consequence. And um, How old were you? Oh. About... Nobody, the, I would say this too a bunch of times. If I, well, here's two things I say more. Probably like 25. Yeah. Honestly, if I knew I was going to be telling this story, I'd have kept better track. <laughs> yeah, right. And, uh, and my chronology, my chronology, the, if I try to like lay it out, I can't make it work. Yeah. Like if I, and I actually did that at one point, it was like tried to like journal all this and the timelines keep crisscrossing. And I'm like, hold on, that didn't happen before that. That yeah. happened after. And, <laughs> Uh, can't keep it straight. And that's a part of the insanity and the madness that's wrapped up with this. Yeah. Like, and I think a lot of that is for me, at least because I use for so long and my brain. Is so it, it, it takes forever for me to, to really think about something. I think I just fried my brain for so long that yeah. even my memory, sometimes I really have to talk to someone about it, you know, to, to rekill, like rekinder the, like the, what word am I thinking of? Um, to really try and remember the memories. Yeah. You know, if I sit here and try and think about it, I won't be able to. So talking about things really helps me, I guess. Yeah. Dialogue will <laughs> yeah. shake it loose. Yeah. Um, so 25 and the DUI. And. Um, what did you, how, did you get in any trouble for that? Did you? Yeah, I lost my license. Um, I had to get a new car. And then. um I was okay for a little while, and then um, reeled it in for a little bit, right? Yeah, hold, yeah, the best I could, you know, with no car for a little while and no license, you know, kind yeah, of kind of limited your abilities. Yeah, to, it kind of was like a oh shit, you know, I probably need to, you know, not do this for a little while. Um, and really, I didn't have very many consequences until um, I lost my children. And that was probably the worst thing ever. Because <laughs> yeah. um, along this path, you got married and had kids. and I got married, and I'll back up some, so it's... <laughs> yeah. I got married to the girl's father, uh, and I was still... I've always had Adderall. I was prescribed it. And I uh, was prescribed gabapentin, and I was abusing those throughout this whole time. Um, and their kid's father, I actually bought pain pills from. And so, um, instead of me buying them, why not marry him? You know, <laughs> I think that's a better idea. Uh, so I married him. We had kids, and at this moment, well, to back up a little bit more, 
he was giving them to me at this point instead of me buying them. He was limiting me to like so many of them a day. And it, this went on and even through, you know, I had Savannah and then Sophia. Sophia was born addicted mm. and I went to JDAC and I tried to get sober. Um, I was gone. I was able to bring her home for one day. Right after she was born. And then I went to um, JDAC for two weeks. My sister kept them while I was in JDAC. And uh, your twin or your older sister? My older sister. Older sister. Yeah. Then I got out and I went to meetings and went to meetings, but I didn't get a sponsor. And I was still on my Adderall and my Gabapentin. I wasn't abusing them. But I was still on them. So to me personally, nowadays, I don't feel like that could be sober. Um, so eventually, I i mean, I, I had my kids. I had primary custody. Um, and I had started, I had divorced their dad. Okay. I was living with my mom. And, uh, you know... I did that for a while, but without working a 12-step program and just going to meetings, it's inevitable that you, you're you not going to stay sober, to me and my personal opinion. Um, if you can, more power to you, but <laughs> yeah, I can't. Yep. And so um, I met a guy, and uh, a guy I went to high school with, um, so we, we knew each other from the past and we moved into a house together. Did you meet him in the rooms? Huh? Did you meet this guy in, in the rooms? No. no just outside. Reconnected he with this dude. Reconnected with a guy. And, um, we bought a house together. Hmm. We moved in fast. It was like six months that we were dating and we moved in. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it. It kind of went downhill from there, you know. Um, I was abusing my medicine a lot more, and it just, I was miserable, you know. The girls were unhappy. I was unhappy. This guy seemed to be happy, but it wasn't. It was just chaos. Um, and CPS got involved because of their dad or something I guess along that lines. Um, and really, it was God working through me. I called it in on the, on him, and CPS came in and realized how unfit of a mom I was. Hmm. And thank God for that. And so, so you called CPS because uh, of him. Yeah, because of something that happened. And uh, they realized how unfit of a mom I was. And how, I guess, because of the way I was, you know, um, and I lost my kids. And if it wasn't for my sister, they would have gone to the state. Mm. So I'm thankful my sister took them. Yeah. And uh, it's been – I guess at that point I was mad angry, whatever, all those emotions. 
I thought it was CPS's fault. You know what I mean? Everybody but my fault. It was right. Steve's fault. It was their dad's fault. It was Matthew, the guy I was dating. So I moved out to my aunt's house on a farm. And I found out how so much how um, how horses are therapeutic. You know, mm. I lost my kids and I felt like I couldn't do anything about it. But yet I was still abusing my medicine. Didn't realize that that was the reason that <laughs> they, they took my kids, you know. Um, that went on for probably maybe a couple months. I'm going to say six months, but it was probably less than that. I got an apartment and we started going to AA. And that's, I started doing my steps, found a sponsor, started doing my steps. And as traumatic and as horrible as all those experiences were, I'm thankful I went through them and that things have been, I guess, how they are because it led me to, to here today. Yeah. Uh, I'm still fighting to get my kids back. I go December 16th to try and get joint custody, and it's not in my hands. It's all in God's hands. Who has custody? He's got primary custody. He does. And he doesn't want to give them to me, and I don't blame him because he sees me as the old me. Yeah. takes a long time to uh, you know, rebuild that, whatever, that trust in other, that even in this situation, you know, that uh, it seems kind of funny. It's not that you're looking to get him back. No. Uh, but he's got, he's got, a, he's got a, a hold on one end of the rope. Yeah. But you get to see them a lot. You're with them a lot. I get them Thursday and Fridays. And if I asked him for, you know, any time, like if the girls have, if Savannah has a school project or Sophie has a school project, he'll let me have some time with them. Yeah. But he's just not willing to give up that full amount of time, hmm. you know. And I think a lot of that has to do with control. He is in control right now, and he never has been. Hmm. I've always had primary custody. So he just doesn't want to give it up. Um, so, you know, I keep doing the next right thing. I keep working in my program and I, I believe I'll get them. It's just not, it's in my time. Right. You know, but. So tell me a little bit about your run through the steps with, uh, this, the first sponsor. My first sponsor was Jeannie Reisinger, and we try not to say last names. Oh, sorry, but that's okay. Um, she's a really, a really awesome person. Um, I met her in the rooms at Token, and uh, it was like God just brought us to each other. We were in the middle of the hallway, and she looked up off of her phone and said, "Do you need a sponsor?" Mm-hmm. And I was like. I do. Um, and we just started to connect. And uh, she had kids. She went through the same type of situation. Mm. Um, so she had her kids taken away. She kind of felt, she filled that like mothering role to try and help me, you know, get back on my feet. Because I was lost coming in those rooms. I remember, I know my first year was hell. <laughs> Um, but 
you know, anytime I needed anything, I would call her. I'd be like, so I don't feel comfortable with this. What should I do here? <laughs> she must have got a million phone calls. <laughs> and uh, she works full time. She's got three kids. So um, she was she was there for me when I felt like a lot of people weren't. You know, first coming in the rooms, your family's abandoned you at that point just because you were who you were, you know. And um, so I had her at least. And I had, you know, going into the rooms, you have the fellowship. But you don't, you have that connection with your, with your sponsor that you have with nobody else. Mm-hmm. So I had a, I had a good sponsor. And she walked me through the steps it was fast. I was on a race to get through those oh, really? <laughs> the first time. I was like, I can do this. All right, you told me to do this. I'm going to hurry up and get it done, <laughs> you know? So, um, and then in, as I started going, I met Ross. Um, and I took him to work or something, and he was like, you know, if you're ready, I'll sponsor you. And I was almost done with my steps, and I thought about it, and I was like, that's weird. A dude sponsor and a girl. <laughs> so, but I took it into consideration. And he wasn't done with his steps yet. So, I got done with my steps. And I just didn't get the relief that I thought I wanted. Mm. From the steps the first time. I just didn't feel like I got enough stuff out of me. Um, but... uh so you did, you went through the steps with her, you did amends? I did do amends. And walked all the way through it with her, through the AA book. Yeah. But still felt like there was something there. Yeah. And so I was like, maybe I need to do my steps again. And then that's when I asked Ross to sponsor me. And he was like, yeah. Um. You were coming to TSSR for a little while before that, right? If I remember right, or was that pretty quick on the same timeline? You know, I'm not exactly sure. I think yeah. that he had. A- Did you ever come downtown? Mm-hmm. You came down to, to the, the Unity, Unity Church. Church? Yeah. yeah. I think he. I, I asked him, and he said he would sponsor me, and then I started going into TSSR. So. Um. I'd been in, I've been in TSSR for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Well, it hasn't been around that awful long, but, uh, right. So, uh, cause I kind of like want to walk down that, you know, you, was it stuff that you didn't want to get rid of that you didn't want to talk about that was there? Or did you have any idea about it? Or did you just have that nudge in there? Like, I'm, I'm not as free as I need to be. Well, I think it's, I think it's, Maybe the way she. And this is not a throwing somebody under the bus at all. I mean, because we're all in our spot and our sponsor's job is not to fix us. You know, they, they, the people who sponsor do what they can. And she did the best that she could. She was an amazing sponsor, but it's just the way that it could have been me. I mean, obviously, yeah. when of- I did the four step this time, I realized that I could have reached out and, you know, talked to another sponsor or, I mean, my grand sponsor or something. I didn't get the relief that I wanted because I might not have put enough work into it. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, sometimes it comes to the thing where I don't, 
necessarily trust this person enough to tell them everything or you know there's a lot of things that will block us from I think that the difference is maybe I didn't have enough people on my four-step or I didn't maybe I didn't feel comfortable enough I'm not exactly sure and this time around I know my sponsor pushed me to put more people on there whether it was silly stuff or not you know just to see what all relief I could get Yep. You know, and it's much more detailed in TSSR, yep. I feel like. Well, we brought, and that's one of the big, one of the big things is uh, the um, A book says we're writing down a list of all the people, principals, and institutions of who, that we're angry with. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I like to think I'm not an angry person. Right. So I put, I will leave a lot of things off, off the table with the, with the justification that I'm not mad at them. And uh, TSSR broadened that definition of the resentments into more of a like a, uh, I like to say, you know, this gets really, really broad when you do this. But, you know, write down everything that had an impact on who you are today. Yeah. It doesn't have to be limited to those you're angry with. Yeah. Because I can really quickly not put my mom down because I'm not mad at her. Right. Uh, But the fact of the matter is you're huge influence on your parents and again it's not a blame game on why you know we're not blaming people we're just yeah. looking at what made us tick and what made us the way we are i think that was one of the things that you know after doing some of the work at least in tssr that i remember you know i was like well i'm so much more happier than i used to be i might not have a resentment towards you you know or putting stuff down on my four-step i felt so much more at ease towards another person and I was like and talking to my sponsor about it he was like you just need to put this stuff down you know he was like put anything and everything down you know I mean I put like rap music I put like anything just so I could have the relief yep and so I also like the difference at least for me the comparison um when I did my four step or dropped my fifth step, me and him talked about it instead of just sharing about what I did on the fourth step. Hmm. That was, it, it grew a better bond between us. And I also had someone to relate to. It wasn't me just dropping a whole bunch of stuff down and being like, so what now? You know, it was like we were comparing stories. Like, hey, so you went through that too? You did some crazy stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> you know? And Yeah, I like to say, you know, and I really, my, my brain rejects that term dropping a fist step. Yeah, I know. Uh, because what I was taught what we do is essentially what I'm doing is exchanging fist steps. Yeah. Uh, where there's a lot more two-way street going on there than, uh, and again, you know, I, I, our stories are kind of the same in the fact that I had a sponsor who took me through the steps early on. Uh, in 2011, when I first came to AA with a desire to stop, uh, and uh, and and I love that man for the work and the time and the energy he put into helping me, and I was better as a result of that. But when I did a fist step with him, basically all I did was read my four step to him. And yeah. It was tedious, torturous almost. Yeah. Uh, there was not any kind of like sharing or reflection, or I didn't get done with it with a list of character defects. Uh, I just read this notebook to him. Yeah. And really got very little out of that. 
Matter of fact, it might have been the opposite. I hated it. Yes. It took hours. I think yes. if I remember right, it was someplace in the neighborhood that's 16, 18 hours over a number of days Jeez. of reading that notebook to him. Yeah. That's what I didn't like about it, just and having also, to share you know, my stuff. You know, and when I was doing that, I'm also justifying why people are on the list and everything <laughs> while I'm doing it, you know. So yeah. it, it just was, it's not what I do today with other people, and it's yeah. not what Christopher did with me through the TSSR methodology. Yeah. We exchanged fist steps in a few hours. And also the difference for me is doing the amends. I just added a beautiful amends with my sister who, who was so loving, caring, that took my sister, I mean, took my kids. Um, it ended up beautifully, but I didn't think it was going to. Um, the difference between the way that I did it in AA and TSSR um, was that we have a script so I'm not so nervous when I go in there, you know. When I did it in AA, I just kind of had to wing it, you know. I like having the script. I like having to we know what I'm doing. We have a formula, a recipe yeah. for how to do amends. Yeah, and it it puts so much pressure off of me, you know. I just I know what I'm gonna do. I know what I'm gonna write. I mean, I know what I'm gonna say. And you actually prepare for it, yeah. You know, and that preparation also, I think uh, that that's. The work we put into it like that is uh, uh, the universe, God, whatever you want to say, shines on us for that preparation and that work that we put into it yeah. because then we're really coming in with our heart and some thought. And the person that receives that, I mean, also feels that you have worked on, you know, you're not just kind of nilly-willy coming in saying, I'm sorry. Yeah, right. So, I mean, that would be the difference between... The two for me. Yeah, the amends are big. Yeah, the, uh, would you want to share about that amend? Yeah, I was, <laughs> my sister is, my older sister, Lauren, is the one who took my children and, um, I basically just told her, you know, I don't know where my kids would be without her. They could have been in foster care and who knows who could have taken care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, I told her, you know, I'm sure I caused fights between her and my mom because she lives with my mom. Mm. And my kids were there, you know, and she has her kids. So she was basically taking care of four kids at that time. Yeah. Um, and uh, she said, you know, she got to have a good bonding experience with them. And she wouldn't want anybody else to take care of them. And that she loves me. She loves the girls. And by me coming there today, that helps her by saying what I said, by thanking her. um, That's all she had to hear. And that she loves me and all she wants me to do is just keep doing what I'm doing. So as my sponsor says, I healed her that day. Mm -hmm. And so that was awesome because, of course, I know this has nothing to do with me. It's about God and her. But I honestly thought she was going to say a whole bunch of things to me. And so it turned out beautifully, which was amazing. And so I'm glad that I was able to heal her through yeah. that whole process. Yeah. yeah. Well, I say, you know, we, we, we allow, when we do an amend, we sometimes, and a lot of times we allow that person to get off the hook. You know, they're carrying a load themselves. Yeah. And two people get free during that process, not just one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've seen that was been my experience too a number of times where somebody else was carrying something that I really had no idea about until when the point in the formula where you say, I'm open to hearing anything you have to say to me. Yeah. And then they, uh, they get to get free too. Yeah, which is nice to hear because I couldn't imagine taking care of four. Uh-oh. I forgot to say that at the beginning of the podcast. Silence your telephones, everybody. No big deal. Caring for my something. I probably kid. forgot to turn off my compressor. If I don't do something about it here in a minute, it will turn on. Your phone ringing maybe because yeah. that would scare the shit out of you when that thing kicked on. Uh, it's a kind of a normal thing that happens during the podcast at some point because uh, I blow everything. I blow all the sawdust oh, yeah. off of everything and uh, oh, yeah. and blow the chairs out and then I hang it up and then. You know, half hour into the podcast, the pressure's leaked down enough that the compressor kicks on. And uh, I've had some people really come unglued at that end of the table when that <laughs> thing behind them starts kicking. All of a sudden, that noise comes on back there. Yeah. Um, what other amends made an impact on you? I did an amends to my mom. And, you know, I feel like it went well. I learned a lot from it. It was my first one. Oh, wow. That's so, not usually the way we do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it went it went well. There was just things that I feel like I could have done better. Of course, I'm my best critic on certain things. Yeah. Because um, it was to my mom, who's raised me, who's done everything for me. Um, so, uh I guess by her reply, she was like, just don't, don't fuck up, you know? And so she had a lot of heartfelt things to say after that, but it kind of puts it into perspective how much she wants me to continue doing what I'm doing. She just has a lot of fear in there. Yeah. So fear turns into anger. Mm. So I think she just wants me to continue doing what I'm doing. She also told me that she's always loved me. She just didn't like the person that I was. And so I had compassion, you know, there was, uh, she wanted my, she said, I want your, I want my little girl back. Mm -hmm. She wanted me to be who I am now, you know, not this person who always said I was a hollow show when I was out using, you know, I was the person on the outside, but I was never the person on the inside. Yeah. And that's who she wants me to be. Yeah. That's a TSSR subtitle to reclaim our original self and soul you know that's uh what the people our loved ones want also is for us to reclaim that yeah so i I don't not as a i'm gonna say it anyway uh somebody might disagree but normally in the way i was taught we do the toughest amends last not first Uh, one of the things the way we do it, you know, usually, and I will always feed my guy this and a little bit of taking this will probably maybe even letting the cat out of the bag. But when we make our four step list, normally I will direct people to put mom, dad, and I'll have their first page done for them. Uh, when, and I always usually do that. I will say, okay, let's get started here. I'll start your list for you. Mom, dad, brothers and sisters, grandparents, siblings, 
and you know they'll be they'll have one page what that does it gets them there because i'm gonna when we do the amends and we start doing the eight-step prayer work we start at the bottom of the list right and work backwards and that way i'd practice some amends that are easy you know low risk amends first (laughs) and by the time i get to mom and dad i'm practiced up and have done a number of amends so now i know you know i'm a little solider in my shoes when i get to that point uh that didn't happen here well i did two prior ones before my mom okay so it wasn't the first okay so my first one was and you'd also done through them before too so right i did um someone who worked at token that i was not nice to mm-hmm. <laughs> i was a complete bitch too um and to Jeannie, my sponsor mm my old sponsor yeah um so those were two easy ones so i could get used to doing them yep get a couple under your belt yeah and i think my mom i was so utterly nervous you know just because it was my mom um i learned that i needed to practice my script more and um not pull my script out (laughs) <laughs> that's why I say I learned a lot from it. So um, I know to go to the bathroom now and <laughs> um, we were outside Starbucks or outside Honey Brothers. So I felt like I couldn't go to the bathroom and I was like so nervous. So I, I pulled my script out. And so now she knows what the word script means. And so <laughs> I just, I did it. You know, it happened. Happened. Yep. I learned from it. My sp- my sisters, I practiced a lot more, and I didn't pull my script out, though. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, well. Yep. Uh, I think when you have the universe, when you have higher power on your back on these kind of things, and that's the one thing we carry into every amend with us, uh, for sure, that uh, there's really no, there's no, they don't go wrong. Right. Uh, there might be a learning opportunity in it, but they don't go wrong. Yeah. It's one of the beauties, too, about uh, when people, when it just so happens that you can't do it face-to-face, because I want to do a direct amend whenever I possibly can, face-to-face. Yeah. But there are some situations where they need to be done over the telephone, either pretend, one of them could be for safety reasons. Uh, you could be doing yeah. a amend with somebody that maybe isn't safe to do it face-to-face or proximity. You know, I'm not necessarily driving to Idaho to do an amend. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the beauty of a phone amend is that you can have your script <laughs> yeah. out uh, and when you do it. I think that, you know, the more I do them, obviously, the better I'll get. Uh, and that's why I have a sponsor, too, so that way he can tell me that I shouldn't do that. He said yeah. it's a big no-no, <laughs> so... That's why I say I learned a lot from it. But it it even though all that stuff happened, I believe she got relief from it. I believe I healed her from all yeah, the stuff that right. I said. That's what I said. It still works. Yeah. Process still works. They don't we don't we might aim at perfection here because it's good to aim at a small spot uh, when you're shooting at a target, but it's not a requirement. Perfection is not a requirement. And there's a lot too. Uh, you read the read the chapters of the, in the ninth step uh, in TSSR book, and there is a lot of detail in there, 
and you can't possibly like remember all that. Uh, yeah. You have to practice it, and uh, like so many things, we have to mess it up and do it wrong before I learn <laughs> to do it right. Right? I have to make the mistake, or learn the what I could have done better, which is really just part of our another piece of our program, right? Our tenth step. You know, when we do things, we look and analyze it and look and see about what we could have done better, whether in whatever interaction that is. Yeah. So uh, that makes it uh, just a part of the process and part of life. Yes, I agree. Got any, uh, you know, what happens, and I have this list, my miracle list in my phone about some of the cool things that happens as a result. And I redefined that miracle list. I actually found, or I found a definition for it uh, for me. And my miracle list contains things that will, would not have happened if I wasn't in recovery. They may not be that big of miracles to somebody, and some of them actually flat are miracles, no question about it. But uh, there are things that would not have happened if, if I hadn't been in recovery. So I text uh, Ross every morning two things that are, we call them morning miracles is what I do. Oh, do you? Yeah, so um, things that uh, I would not be able to do if I wasn't in recovery I would say not treat people the way that I am able to treat people um like for instance uh some people get super frustrated at at people at work some of the customers they don't speak English they come up and they want to um they need things some of them just tell them some of the machines or some of the like the money order doesn't work or something. Um, and I'm able to nicely say, you know, what, what can I help you with or whatever. I'm able to be nice about things and not just be rude. You know, no matter if we're super busy or whatever, that's a difference. Because before I would have been high as a kite and utterly rude to you um the difference a huge difference that i notice on a daily basis is how i treat my children um i'm a much more loving mother i discipline them but do it in a loving way i don't scream at you i don't put you in the corner i don't you know the most i'll do is take away your tablet if you're not going to listen to me um I notice the difference in how I treat my family. You know, I don't react. I mean, my sister has that mothering role towards my children because she took them in. So when we go over there for family functions, she likes to get them food and get them drinks and likes to, you know, take over. But I've learned to not step in. Assumes that mothering role. Yeah. Not step in. And if the girls don't like something, they will let her know. You know, it keeps me at peace. And it keeps the whole situation. Not from getting, you know, over, like, too much. Um, And I've learned not get into other people's drama. (laughs) 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 My sister's. I want my kids to be in both their lives. Um, I've just learned to be a completely different person. Sounds like a lot more empathy and compassion. A lot. 
instead of just cut you off and you deal with it on your own, how can I help you? You know, what can I do to make things better for you? You know, um, as far as like, You weren't seeing your kids at all at one point, right? No, it was miserable. I was yeah. seeing them maybe two hours one day a week or two days a week. Yeah. So that's a miracle in itself that you're getting you know, yeah. your, the path back to I'm thankful I get being to a mother again. Be back into their lives. Um, someone told me that the percentage rate for moms getting their kids back is like 85% once, you know, they lose them and, and or like have had drug issues before because they don't want to give them back to them. Yeah. Once you're in the system like that, it's hard for you to get your kids back. You know. So, yeah, I'm thankful that I'm getting them and getting to see them. And it's a miracle that they didn't slip into the system. Absolutely. I mean, that can happen forever. Um, being in recovery, I I um. And back in school. Nice. Um, I'm really enjoying that. I love it. And you're doing? I'm going for a CNC machinist, which is something different for a female. Yeah. Um, you don't see a lot of females in that field. I've always been into, like, cars and things of that nature. Um, so... When I went to go see the advisor, he was like, well, why don't you try this? If you don't like this, then let me know. And I like it. So it's kind of different. It's a different atmosphere. You are surrounded by a bunch of guys. So, But it also gives a lot of other females encouragement to do things like that. Yep. So I think out of like 20 people, there's three other females. Hmm. So. Where are you doing that? At Jefferson Community College in Shelbyville. Yeah. What kind of machinery are you learning on? What kind of stuff are you doing? Um, I've learned how to use a lathe, a bridge point, which is a machine, uh, the wire, a mill. There's a name for that wire machine. It's a, that wire acts like a saw blade, right? And cuts. Yeah. It uses water and electricity, but it's a, a just a wire. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Can cut some really detailed stuff with that. Yeah. I can. Uh, I've always been interested. I have a wood lathe right there, but not metal. Yeah. I never did. I've never done. I've done a little bit of metal work, but uh, I would like to. It's always been an interest of mine. To uh, my son's doing machine shop at the vocational school in high school right yeah. now. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of cool. tough to uh, do that in COVID era. Uh, yeah. Kind of tough to learn to run a machine when you can't go run the machine. Yeah. See, I'm so thankful that my teacher said, no, we can't go online. Yeah. yeah I mean, how can you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a certain piece of it that you could do, but it's hands on. Yeah. So it's a it's a thing you have to do to learn. You have to do it. Yeah. Re- Excuse me, not read about it. You can't do them. A project over the internet when you have to actually physically try and learn the machine. Yeah. So that sounds like something I've heard you light up pretty well when you start talking about doing that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Did you go to Eddie's? I did. Did you? Yeah. He gave me a drill, a um, couple of mallets, like um, a plastic one and a metal one. Um, um, something to test a, a wire to see if it's a live wire. A meter? Yeah, a meter. And um, a bag. Yeah, I was over there today helping him fix a sink drain. Yeah. And, uh, I feel real. He, I think he would give me everything I wanted, but I felt very uh, reserved. <laughs> oh, on, yeah. uh, I did too. Like, okay, uh, I think this is enough. <laughs> yeah. I t- I, he had a welder over there. Oh, did he? And uh, a little, uh, I don't know what you call me, but it's a, it's for welding with welding rod, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Not a wire feed or, a, you know, I have a little wire, wire feed welder downstairs. But we'd had one when I was a kid, and uh, and it got away from us when Dad had to, uh, Mom and Dad had to auction and sold off a bunch of their stuff. And I was like, "Well, let's does it work?" And he said, "I have no idea because this <laughs> kind of guy just grabs stuff up." And we plugged it in, and I struck an arc on it, and it was working. Yeah, that's uh, cool. I brought it home. It is a new project for my father. He it was it, pretty rough. Uh, shape it was the welder and uh, uh down there in the basement with the wire wheel on the drill you know and he's polishing it up and and i'm sure i don't know what it looks like right now but i could tell it was getting ready to get a paint job uh, <laughs> my dad loves those kind of projects to take something and bring it back Redo to life it. yeah restore it yeah that's what a lot of this stuff is yeah that's cool and most of these tools are old you know they're couple of them probably are within a uh, very little in here is newer than 10 years and probably most of it's newer than 25 that's cool no yeah. i mean not not newer than 25 older than 25 years old see the stuff that we use is mostly some of the machines are newer some of them aren't the only thing that is the difference is we use the digital screens so it's more precise and you can get a better cut on it. Yeah. So you're not using, see, I just did manual programming. So when you manually program something, you have much more room for human error on any type of, um, any type of things. So if I go out and I manually program something in my, my codes, um, in my program, so if I use my codes that I learned, I could have a lot of room for, if I messed up something, you know, my um, measurements might be wrong and it might not fit whatever place that we're, if I'm sending it to a shop or sending it to somewhere, it might not fit exactly like it should. Yeah. So we use these digital readouts so we can just put in um, a lot of our um, codes and then it can just digitally like it pretty much the machine will uh, figure out the me- measurements for you hmm. which is a lot easier <laughs> yeah a lot faster too if you're making a lot of parts in a lot of short amount of time it makes it yeah. a whole lot faster especially uh especially uh in a mass production type of thing it's almost yeah. essential yeah that's um yeah there's a couple there's some cnc woodworking stuff out there too oh, is there? you know like there's a i'm sure i don't know if you've used like a mill uh, a mill in woodworking terms is a router. Yeah. And, uh, and they have those that will route out 
stuff off of computer program. Uh, a lot of people are making them and using them nowadays, uh, but it's not, it doesn't trip my switch, you know, because yeah. I'm more in like hand making it, actually doing the one at a time thing. I'm not in the business of mass producing something yeah. personally, although it's really neat looking. And uh, like those ohm symbols I make, one oh, up yeah. here, uh, those would be a perfect candidate for <laughs> yeah, uh, right? mass production, you know. But, yeah. but my kind of my my deal is is that I make them one hand, make them one at a time for yeah. you. Makes it much yeah. more yeah. special. But there's there's a place for both. Yeah, that does. It interests me to watch it and see like YouTube videos and people using them and stuff. But I haven't. Uh, yeah. Haven't dove into that. Yeah. I did. Um, I'm a, I, I was trained in drafting and com, computer design. So, you know, there was a thing, a term a long time ago called CAD CAM. I just com, took a class on Master CAM. Okay, yeah. So that's <laughs> computerized, computer-assisted drafting and computer-assisted machining, I think is what the, compa- I think it was yeah. what the CAM is. And so you can actually draw this stuff up on a computer model. Yeah. And feed that data into the machine yeah. and it'll make what you what you draw. Yeah. Uh, so that part of it, you know, because I mostly I I still draw and I draw just about everything I make. Uh, it's kind of a, where I can. It organizes my brain when I go to making it, <laughs> I get to put it together and build it on a piece of paper first. Yeah. And that way, when I pull it off of there and make the parts, it's got a good chance of fitting together. Yeah. So uh, I've always been really interested in the drawing end of it. Do you all do? Do you all dive into any of that? The drafting we did, part. We did the. So we have the program called MasterCam. So where we can draw it up, and then it uh, gives us a program, and then we can take the program and it runs it on a part. Right. Yeah. So you do. You have been, and I would think that would be a runs it on a machine. Yeah. Because that wire feed thing, or that wire, there's a name for that machine. It's, it's like called e- the wire. So you have a yeah, but a, there's a there's like an EDM EDM wire. Yeah. yeah, you're right. And it uh, so if you had a piece of sheet metal and you have an intricate part, you can draw that and then feed that information into the computer, so it'll spit out the right language that the machine needs. Yep. That will follow and trace the lines you drew. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, something like like that, like those ohm symbols. You yeah. could you could feed an ohm symbol in there, and make wire one out of out of metal. Yeah. Um, pretty simply, probably. Yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't take long. I could give you the drawing on one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of thinking that. <laughs> See if you could make me one. I made a lot of those ohms for other people. Now and again, somebody will give me an ohm. Holly made me one out of dough, out of clay, like yeah, mo- uh, like art clay. You yeah. bake it, and uh, Shane gave me one out of wood that he found someplace in a store one time. That's a tile, almost it's shiny and really neat. Hangs in my bedroom. Both of those do. Yeah, that's cool. My bedroom is a little art studio, mostly of stuff I've made and stuff people, gifts people have given me. Uh, did you didn't have any idea you would be doing something like that, huh? No, I have no idea. Uh, right now you're kind of in a customer service world. 
Yeah. Until I go for joint custody. I didn't want to. My teacher's been pushing me to go into a, a certain shop so I could start making molds to get my foot in the door. Um, but I didn't want to do anything drastic until I know for sure what's going on with the girls because I didn't want to have him switch days or ask him for favors or, you know, change my world right now. Yeah. And so maybe next semester um, I'll start working into a shop so I can get my feet in the door and start working somewhere so I can understand the material better also. It'll help me all the way around. Um, I know that you've uh, also kind of taken the lead in a couple of places in your recovery as far as, like I say, participate in your recovery. Yeah. Uh, and you were on the podcast with the right after the girls, the gals retreat. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of your idea, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, the first year of my, or well, the first time, yeah, the first year of my being sober, I went to a women's retreat and uh, loved it, you know. Didn't really bond as much the first time that I did this time, but just wanted to do a women's retreat and threw it out there. And Holly kind of grabbed a hold of that idea and facilitated it. We had an amazing time. I mean, we got such bonds I mean, I personally got such bonds with these women. They're much, they're like my sisters, you know? I can honestly say they're like family. Um, and, you know, I know that Tuesday, we all, a couple of us went over to Cindy's house um, to do the meeting and you know, Catherine said, you know, I have like real girlfriends and I never thought about it like that. Yeah. And I was like, she's right. You know, I think about it like the fellowship, but these are like my actual friends too. So I've never had bonds with women like that. You know, I always had like using buddies or people I've hung out with or whatever, you know, never true friends where if I say, hey, I need something. I know three or four of them would say, well, what do you need? Or what time? Or what? You know? These are true friends. And, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. One of my uh, favorite lines out of the big book is, uh, and I I try to, because, I don't know, I'm extra sensitive about the the male standpoint that it's all written in, you know, but it says, uh, it says he will help you he will help you find the fellowship you crave and i shouldn't even i shouldn't even have to i'm I'm messing that up Uh, but that is that fellowship and that's something that you know uh we've i have been experiencing with the spiritual underground you know he will show you how to create the fellowship you crave show you how to do how to develop that how to create it and that's been a big, uh, huge thing for me of having real friends, you know, true, real. I mean, I think they're brothers. Like you said, they feel like family. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen that 
you know, and I and I know that's one of the one of the things that's happening with the spiritual underground that has happened and is happening is that true fellowship there. And I frankly didn't see that happening with the women anywhere. That doesn't mean it's not happening. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't seen it. Yeah. And uh, in TSSR is Christopher and I, you know, and this was this is all his baby, but I was along for the ride. That was something we desired for you guys to have, you know. So like that retreat and that bonding experience that come out of there really touched him and I in the fact that that's like dream come true kind of stuff that you know we were we're feeling this dream coming true with our with us, but we want more. We want this for everybody. Yeah. And uh, how I stepped into that. You know, I, I've, I've stepped into so many piles of uh, good stuff. You know, we're kind of used to my my mind wants to be real used to stepping into the pile of dog shit. That's the way my life seemed to always been in the past. Right, every place I stepped, I got my shoes dirty. So I got tired. I got scared to walk and take chances of doing things because stuff just didn't work out. But like the podcast and the retreats and, you know, and TSSR and this stuff is actually working out today, you know. And when I saw uh, that happen and developed and when I had heard that you were uh, bringing up the idea of won't we have a women's retreat, I know there's a few times that we come home from our retreat and I could see that uh, jealousy sort of or yeah. maybe uh, yeah, that like... desire that, hey, I want that too. Yes. Uh, in you specifically, uh, and, and I'm so glad that 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 you, that you pushed it along and that Holly picked it up and ran with it. Yes. And it usually is a these, these things don't happen with one person. It has to be a team effort, to, right? To pull them off. And that electricity was in this very shop that day. You all came through here yeah. as a whirlwind of juice uh, through that. Really brought me a lot of joy. Good. Still yeah. does. Yeah. We had so much fun. Had we learned a lot about it. each other. Yeah, when you there's another line in here that says and, and I don't know if it says that in here if I wrote that from somebody else, but uh as I open myself to God, God opens himself to me there we go in that male thing again but uh <laughs> as long as we don't hang up on it it's no big deal uh so as i open myself up to my fellows brothers sisters they open up to me you know and that allows that true intimacy that i believe happens and that, that definition of intimacy that i love is that uh me being me and me letting you see me yeah you know so that i can be me and I can let you see me, and you don't judge me, yeah. and then you do the same thing, then that's where true love, where true love happens. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to say one thing, maybe a little off topic, but I was just thinking about it. Yeah, we don't have a topic. Okay. <laughs> Recovery. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, this whole male and female my sponsor is a male, and obviously I'm a female. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, I can talk to him uh, just about anything. I call him all the time, and we have such a good bond that 
he knows me much much better than I know myself. Uh, there was an incident, not an incident. There was something the other day where I felt almost pressured into doing something for my children that I didn't want to, and I was trying to persuade him that it was a good idea. And he was like, "Are you sure about this? I feel like you're trying to close me on it, you know." <laughs> and I was like, "You know what? I'm so thankful I have you." Because I know I don't feel comfortable about this. And so um, I I decided not to do. Um, my children have ADHD. And so uh, someone in my family wants me to put them on medicine. And I don't want to. Hmm. So um, I called and made a doctor's appointment. And uh, I called Ross. And he was like, I don't think you want to do this. So he knows me much better than I know myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I called and canceled the appointment. My my daughter is young. You know, there are other ways other than medicine to help her. You know, she can breathe or, you know, she can, um, you know, I, her teacher was telling me to give her a task and give her a small task at a time. You know, she's got impulse control is what they call it now. Um well, maybe it's because she's so young. I personally, my personal opinion, is she learns like I do. And I could be completely wrong. I'm not a doctor by any means. <laughs> so I, I start giving her small tasks. And so there are other things other than medicine that I can do for her. Yeah. Let's at least try the non-pharmaceutical right. route first because we're so quick today to jump into a pill. Yeah. And so... um but I can call him and talk to him about, you know, school or anything. And I'm basically saying this for anyone who is hesitant to do the male and the female sponsor. I mean, I have a good bond with him. And we talk and we laugh and we joke and everything. Um, he's truly like my best friend. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, my sponsor and I was having a similar kind of talk today about yeah. that bond that happens. And it doesn't have yeah. to be... That doesn't have to be a boundary, and I totally understand why that is out there. I mean, I'm not a dummy about the risks that can be involved involved when you do that. But I have female sponsees, and they brought a lot to the table that I wouldn't be getting if I didn't have their perspective in my life. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, you're right. That's a like in TSSR and. Um, coined this thing where i say you know we have no rules and i'm going to break them all (laughs) uh that you know we set up we set up these we build these walls that say this is so and this is so and this is so and if anything recoveries have brought me it's been the tearing down these limits and these limiting factors that we believe you know can't be done and uh, Ross and your relationship is one of the one of these beautiful things that you know it's like don't, don't you know with recovery and the twelve steps at my side, don't tell me what I can and can't do. Yeah, you know that we can't form that stuff up. And I, and, I, and you know the obvious things are is the motives have to be right, and the, everybody has to be working on. You know I I really do feel that you know uh, a sponsor has to be. Uh, a, and, you know, I can only say this from a male perspective, but a, a male sponsor has to have his, he's got to have his spirit in alignment with his higher power to be able to sponsor a, a, an opposite sex person uh, effectively. And Ross certainly does. Yeah. 
because uh, it could, you know, there could be a lot of monkey business goes on with the wrong motives and things like that in that world. But uh, True. guys like Ross and also and me, I'm not playing that game. This this these twelve steps mean too much to me. Yeah. To be doing any kind of monkey business around that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Golly, it just is like not even on the table. Yeah. So that is, that's really nice. And uh, and it's working and people say it can't. Yeah, true. Baloney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ross is a cool dude. He definitely has the fire and he probably... Um, say this you know he probably knows this tssr stuff <laughs> as well as anybody <laughs> i'm thankful that he does but sometimes <laughs> just like anybody who, who knows their sponsor i'm like geez don't call me out on this please don't call me out on this <laughs> yeah. yep i do it too i'm like uh, um and i'm out and there's a thing in me that rejects a lot of things that my sponsor offers me yeah. You know, and I have to take a step back mm-hmm. and uh, and look at it from a different perspective. And that, well, that helps me. It helps me tremendously. Yeah. The things I've navigated and, uh, and the pitfalls I've avoided because of Lau and his. And that's when, you know, that is just part of the, there's a lot of these intangibles in this 12-step stuff. And that partnership between a sponsor and sponsee that brings, that comes forth as a result of us doing what we do um is an intangible that's that i have no idea about how to wrap words around but just for the fact sheer fact that i let this other human being in my life and in on my you know my decision making process even if it's not you know because i will tell you over and over again that christopher does not tell me what i can and can't do ever uh, and when I come to him with questions, he rarely actually gives me an answer. But because I have opened up to him and shared what's going on in my life, I get my answers. That's cool. Our power does it. Yeah, yeah. It is a beautiful, uh, a beautiful thing, and it and it's kind of rooted in the old. Because uh, if you were doing machine work at some point. You would be working under, uh, you'd be an apprentice under a master, right? Right. And uh, that's something that's kind of completely fell out of our society. Not, I shouldn't say that, but it's certainly weakened that we don't we don't use the mentor apprentice type arrangement very many places in the world today, not formally. And twelve step recovery, we do. It's foundational. Yeah. It's very true. I didn't think about it like that. We got a point. Hmm. And it was not just men either. You know, I mean, it was both ways. And traditionally, it'd be that way. It'd be that, you know, the grandmother type who had been down the road of wisdom. Uh, yeah. You know, well, we'll take a younger gal alongside and help her find her way. And uh, it's something that 12-step recovery brings back to the table in a, in a real strong way, no matter what the dynamics are of male, female, all that. Right. 
And we have a bit of that going on. There's uh, at first I thought, and I still don't know, but uh, where I'll, where it'll go, and I try not to. It's kind of just this day at a time living stuff. Is that uh, initially we were doing it because there wasn't any gals who had been through TSSR, and if gals are going to sponsor gals, uh, we got to get some gals yep. in a position to do that. Uh, and that's what's going on. Have you where are you, where are you at in the sponsor so, uh, world? I hope that I can. Well, I just recently started being able to sponsor someone, and hopefully, God will just bring a sponsee into my life soon. Yeah, I'm sure that will happen. Yeah. And so we have a toolbox that's uh, in a. Some people will take offense to this, but we have a toolbox that's deeper than just AA. You know, our our TSSR toolbox is deeper. Right. So even if it's somebody that comes to you through. AA, uh, yeah. you're able to deliver tools that will help them beyond what they would find with anybody else. Yeah. Because that person is going to have a, will have ran into a very valuable asset in yeah. you. Thank you. Yep, it will come. Don't pray for a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> pray for one juicy sponsee. <laughs> Just one. Just one. Okay. Yep, and you know you got Ross at your back while you're doing that, so you're not doing it alone, just like the rest of this. We never do anything alone again. Yeah. Never have to do anything alone again unless we choose to. I could have, I guess, well, I was so excited that I, I don't know why I couldn't have just raised my hand before, but Ross was like, why don't you just start raising your hand to sponsor people? I was like, I guess I had to have him tell me to do so, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I I wasn't ready or something. I was like, okay, I'll do that, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I'm just thankful that I can do that these days. Well, I have a – I don't know where this stuff comes from. I guess it's from being down the path a little ways and having the super sponsor in Christopher. Yeah. Uh, but I did it right here uh, Monday night with Esther. Oh, yeah. We're taking, we get to page 103 in the AA book because I'm taking her through the AA book using TSSR methodology. Uh, I'm, I'm solid enough and in, in, in ingrained in TSSR enough that, uh, that that comes easy to me. And when we hit that page 103, you know, this is another cat out of the bag thing, but I just love it. Uh, she's sitting where you're sitting. I'm sitting on the corner at the table here and we get to 103 and we're done with our work tonight. And I say, stand up. And, then, and with almost every time people look at me like, what's going to happen <laughs> yeah. next? And, uh, and I give her a great big hug and stand back and look her in the eyes and say, congratulations, you have now completed the 12 steps and are qualified to take another soul through the work. That's awesome. That's so just awesome. Like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it is, and that's another thing about that I've learned through this is that to make this stuff ceremonial, make it special. Yeah. Uh, put put that twist in it where there's that honor of having done the work because it is. It's yeah. it's there is an honor about having done this work when it talks about joining this fellowship. And I've heard Scott Lee say it this way that there's really two fellowships. Uh, there is the fellowship, which all you have to do is say you are one and you are, right? Yeah. And then there's the fellowship of the spirit. Yeah. And that is the people who have actually done the work. Yeah. 
getting people to do this work ain't that easy either. It's not hard to do. Yeah, I know, right? Golly, and that's a you know, it's the more Scott Lee. He said, "You read those steps up there on the wall, and it looks like it's designed to punish you." <laughs> and but that's that's not the truth. No, it's, just, it's what that what those steps on that wall do it does is it rewards you. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the happiest I've ever been. Yeah. And can remember things and remember even back back then, you know, I mean, this is the happiest that I can be, uh, that I've been, that I can remember. <laughs> Let me put it to you like that. Yeah. Why'd you stop on the back then? Because I can't. I guess because I, my sisters, you know, I was always in competition with my sisters, I feel like. Mm -hmm. So now it's like I'm my own person. I'm happy with who I am. And I have my own life, you know. Now that I've done the work, I realize that, you know, where I was, my, my mental state then, but back then that memory still sticks, you know, as me being in competition with them. Mm. So I would say this is the happiest I've ever been. Yeah, I know that. Uh, I mean, younger, I probably was a lot happier too. I just don't remember so. <laughs> yeah, like the the childhood yeah. giddiness kind of thing. That's, yeah. yeah, you can't. That's kind of what we're trying to get back to. Yeah, where we're free is a happy spirit is what a kid is. Uh, you know, we can't obviously act like that in adulthood. Right. Too far. I was going to say, I do somewhat with my kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So see, that's another thing. You know, you probably would never or could allow yourself to do that, to right. be a little kid with your kids. Yeah. Or with some of the females in the fellowship, yeah. we act silly sometimes, yeah. you know. Yeah. The, the kid in me kid comes out, out to sometimes. Play. Yeah. Yeah. No way would I have ever done that before. Right. But now I'm free to do that. Yes. Yeah. And relationships get to be reestablished, uh, you know, repaired between siblings and parents. And new relationships blossom because of our new fellowship we've come into. And, and allows us to be happy. It's awful hard to be happy alone. Right. And it's really hard to be happy uh so when you're miserable. Right, exactly. Yeah. Got anything else you want to say tonight? No. Can't think of anything? No. So what I do like to do at the end is uh, I would ask you for some concluding thoughts or if you've got a message that you'd like to give to somebody if maybe there's something somebody might need to hear uh share a little of your experience strength and hope on if you had a message to uh you got I guess three I minutes to <laughs> and it's not a timeline i'm just kind of throwing that out there like if you got uh the one phrase somebody out there is listening to this that maybe needs to hear something one phrase that i love is trust the process you know, when I first came in the rooms, I was lost and I, I didn't really, you know, 
I hated things and I just kept going and kept going. And, you know, (laughs) Ross used to tell me, just trust the process, just trust the process. And I didn't want to hear that. But now I truly understand why people say that, um, that and things just get better. You know, I'm almost two years into recovery and being sober and things just keep getting better, Mm -hmm. you know. I just keep diving in more and things keep getting better. That's really all I have. Yeah, I like to say, uh, you know, for anybody who might be considering. So what I think, so my conclusion. I doubt there's very many people sitting around that have all that they want. And I don't mean material goods. I mean uh, that they're sitting feeling that something's missing. There's got to be more to life than this. Um, My life's not supposed to be like this. That's a line directly out of the TSSR book. And feeling that nudge that there's something more. There is some more, and there's some better. I mean, you said better and better. That's what what pinged me on this, is that everybody has some room for some better in their life and some more in their life. You know, and why not go after that? Yeah. Whether if you're a drunky dope addict like me and you were. Yeah, right. Or maybe you're just not very happy. Yeah. Maybe you're just not very happy. Uh, this process will will heal that. We all walk around with this big trash can on our back, picking up life experiences and putting them in there. And uh, the negative bias aspect of life where an ounce of negativity is heavier than a pound of positivity makes it so that that backpack we're carrying around, the negative things that's happened to us stink more. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, this process allows us to empty that trash can out and deal with that. And then just put the good stuff back in. We know that the other stuff that's not so good has happened. But it doesn't carry weight in our backpack anymore. Yeah. We get to clean that up and we get to travel lighter. Travel through this life lighter than carrying all that heavy, stinky stuff around. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. It just doesn't smell as bad and it's not. We don't have to pack it around with us all day long. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. Well, I thank you for coming in here today, tonight. Thank you for sharing your story with us and with the listeners. Um, all of us are, you know, these people we run into are all miracles. And we're all, uh need to keep on carrying this message so that other people can have it too. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me tonight. And I hope this gave some hope and to somebody and helped somebody. I'm sure it will. <laughs> I'm absolutely certain of that. It's one thing if I've been doing this podcast that I've learned is that, uh, you know, at the very least one person, at the very least one person, and it's usually better, it's usually better than that, but at least one person is touched. And uh, that that old starfish story about the kid walking down the beach and he's been gone for hours, dad been frantically looking for him, and he sees his son as tossing starfish into the ocean that it washed up on the bank. And uh, the dad says, Hey, don't stop. What are you doing? You can't possibly save them all. What difference can you make? And he said, Dad, 
makes a difference for this one. <laughs> yeah. Because one at a time we can make yeah. a difference. Right. All right. Well, we'll close this one up. Uh, if you're not having a blast in your recovery, it's your own damn fault. And thanks everyone out there for allowing uh, Shannon and I to participate in our recovery in this manner tonight. Peace out. They won't.